Welcome to Business Lines State of the Economy podcast where you will find insight analysis and the story behind the numbers Hello and welcome to the State of Economy podcast with the Business Line I'm your host Venkatesha Babu a deputy editor with the newspaper Today we have a very interesting guest Siddharth Sid Pai as he is known He is a technology consultant who has personally led over $20 billion in complex, first-of-a-kind outsourcing transactions. I have known Sid for at least two decades. He has been a pioneer in the IT outsourcing industry, as well as seen the evolution of the sector. He now advises board CEOs and investors. He also runs a venture fund, prolific writer, Sid Uh, thank you for taking the time. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Venkatesha. It's uh, absolutely an honor to be here. You know, I have a lot of respect for uh, the publication, as you well know, and and as of course you having worked with you for, uh, as you said, almost two decades now. I'm very very honored to be here. Thank you for having me. So, without much ado, uh, last. Uh, 20 odd years the it services industry has been one of the biggest generators of white collar jobs in india specifically globally the kind of changes which have happened have been phenomenal you have had a ringside view first as a participant now as a advisor advising several of the uh, parties involved in this kind of deals and transactions there have been three inflection points over the last couple of decades one was in the immediate aftermath of the 2000 dot com burst yes. then the 2008 economic crisis and of course the most recent one was the what happened with regard to covid yes how do you see the evolution going forward what are the kind of changes which have taken place said and um, uh, if you could weigh in uh, with your thoughts on this definitely i mean yeah so it's a lot of ground to cover venkatesh so i'll i'll try and specifically talk about uh, the industry but uh, i'll hone in on those three inflection points that you talked about and give some anecdotes as well with respect to you know as an observer both inside and, and now outside the industry how it felt to me at that point in time what actually happened so let's go back i guess in time a little bit because it's it sort of helps to understand the continuum of time and where we are so history actually sort of gives a great perspective for for why we are where we are today so let's go back i guess to the late 90s at the time i was a senior executive with ibm had responsibility first in the us and then later in europe for the telecommunications sector consulting and services and uh, it services that is and um uh, as a result you know had uh, quite a large uh, number of people at least for those days and a large pnl that i was managing and this was during the y2k time frame and working at ibm at that point you know obviously since ibm had themselves written most of the code which was not y2k compliant you know the expectation was that ibm would fix what they had not uh, done correctly in the first place but uh, in ibm we never really built a very large y2k team it was a small team because the expectation from a visioning standpoint that we had as executives was that this was a small problem which had a finite time in other words as of 1st of 
January 2000, the problem would cease to exist because everything would have been fixed and the opportunity in trying to fix what needed to be fixed would be done. So IBM took a very interesting decision. They took a decision to only have a small number of people focused on the Y2K opportunity. I think at the same time, you know, there were certain Indian majors who took a decision, some of them who agreed with IBM and took the decision like IBM. Some of them are not around today, like Putney, for instance, which at the time was larger than Infosys, which is larger than Wipro, larger than, than many other firms. Uh, it was actually one of the largest firms. But they too, like IBM, felt that this was a short-term uh, issue. It had a horizon, it would end. And so therefore, it did not make sense to build up, you know, a large bench to support Y2K. So, you know, Y2K happened and actually the work didn't fall off immediately. Something different happened. What happened was that the dot-com madness, which had overtaken uh, a lot of what was being, being done uh, at that point in time, suddenly that bubble was burst uh, for a variety of reasons, uh, not dissimilar to some of what we are seeing today. But nonetheless, when it burst at that point and a lot of the engineers who had come on board, whether from Infosys or TCS or Wipro, or some of the larger names that you hear today, were going back to India at that point. I remember derisive comments that we were making, uh, and uh, to be honest, I was I was also part of them, where we said they were all going B to B, which is back to Bangalore. Um, you know, and that was the that was the view, but. Uh, what people didn't realize was that by then so much of fiber had been laid under sea and had not yet been lit that, you know, the amount of capacity from a telecommunications perspective was, was so large because of the dot-com boom that now you didn't really have to take the worker to the work in America or the UK. The work could be sent to the worker sitting in Bangalore, in India, which really was the reason for the boom in IT outsourcing services in the early 2000s, culminating actually to a point where they started to win some of the really large deals and be accepted as being equals of the IBMs and the Accentures. And in fact, I did one of those watershed deals. It was a deal in 2005 with uh, for uh, ABN AMRO Bank. And uh, the two main players who won most of that business were Infosys and TCS, I negotiated that deal on behalf of uh, ABN AMRO. And uh, that was when, that was actually the deal with which Indian IT majors for the first time had won a mega deal and were on, had, had broken onto, onto the world stage. And then after that, you know, it was a, it was a set of uh, several victories after that in the next two or three years that followed. If same... I may come in, say that it's so interesting that you mentioned that, uh... Uh, while uh, a few players saw Y2K as a limited opportunity, uh, several others saw this as a um, foot in the door through which they could leverage relationships built, which actually helped them post the dot-com burst, uh, and which, uh, as you rightly pointed out, culminated in this mega deal in 2005. And even earlier, even for IBM in India, for instance, when they had the uh, Airtel deal, which was worth more than a billion dollars in the yes. domestic market. Who yes. would have uh, thought that um, an Indian company would be able to provide a billion dollar kind of a deal? And Correct. that only showed the kind of potential the industry and the sector had. Yes, absolutely right. 
But there's a subcontext also to that Venkatesh. And the subcontext is that the ones who did really well among the Indian players were the ones who took the risk on the bet with Y2K, right? And staffed up to the point where they had enough people who were ready to accept all this outsourcing work as the squeeze in the US forced the local companies to look for lower costs, which they could get here back in India. So basically the narrative is that the companies like the Covances's or, uh, you know, Putney's who did not ramp up, they're not around today. They got swallowed up and they got, you know, they like TCS and uh, Infosys and Wipro simply because they took the risk of building up their bench uh, became much, much larger than uh, companies like Covances or, uh, or Putney. And fortune favors the brave, as they say, right? And that was the, the, the main reason for their stupendous growth uh, after that uh, was because they actually took that risk. But uh, the immediate uh, gloom and doom which followed the global financial crisis in 2008, I remember a lot of people saying that it was again, you know, the end of the story as far as the IT services industry yeah. and the outsourcing bit was concerned. And uh, Indian IT actually uh, sailed out pretty well, even in the aftermath of the uh, yeah. 2008 financial crisis. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. I mean, again, I think the one advantage that Indian IT will have, and this actually touches on something slightly different, that is also we all know but don't realize how important it is, is the demographic advantage that we have in India. Our population is very young. So as a result, what happens is that the number of employable people entering into the marketplace every year is extraordinarily high. So even if there is a situation where there is difficulty for the Indian IT majors in the short term, this steady availability of lower priced talent, the freshers as we call them, is a steady large pool coming in. So what happens is that they are able to continuously reinvent themselves and through attrition which happens for a variety of reasons as well as you know uh, tightly managing what their overall costs look like they have been able to bring in youngsters to take the place of the mid-level people who start to cost them too much so that was a classic case of pyramid rationalization happening in 2008 there was a little bit of a bump but they picked up soon after that, after about a couple of quarters of a bump. I'm looking at some numbers here, which I have from um, a variety of different analysts that uh, cover the sector. If you go back to uh, 2007, you, you know, there's a small blip right around you know the end of 2007, early 2008, where there was a small fall, specifically looking at uh, at uh, you know Infosys. And uh, Accenture, which are two numbers I've got over here, they had about three percentage point dip at that point in what their uh, quarter on quarter growth was. And the other ones, which did not have a dip, moderated significantly. So they went from having, you know, 10% growth to 4% growth in the years before that to suddenly having only 1% or this negative 3% that I was talking about. So that was quite a reduction during that that uh, 2008 GFC, as, uh, as you pointed out. But um, despite that reduction, they could regroup. 
And by the time business started coming back to them in the latter half of 2008, and actually more toward the, I beg your pardon, more toward the latter half of 2009, they were ready to pick up that that slack and uh, their growth rates went back to the you know the high single digit low double digit type of growth rates per quarter that uh, you know we had long associated with the industry mm. um, even in the most recent instance of uh, the covid shutdowns which affected uh, uh, everybody across the world initially there was a huge degree of apprehension on how these firms uh, which had built uh, massive infrastructure under a single roof where they would bus literally thousands of people to come in and work under a single roof, how they would fare in uh, such a situation. But they came out with uh, uh, flying colors. Uh, talk yeah. a little bit on that uh, to say. Sure, sure. I mean, there too, it was a, but there's a slight difference I'll, I will touch on in a, in a little while. But uh, again, let me just give you some numbers which will help. If you look at the March 20 quarter, Again, the quarter-on-quarter quarter growth. This is when it really is. This is when it really exploded on the scene. If you remember, that is when we had our first lockdowns and so forth. It was in 2020, and uh, so the most of the hit actually that happened happened during that March and quarter, and then the the succeeding June quarter. And I'm reading these numbers out with no, you know, I'm only talking about Indian majors here. Uh, I won't name them, but I will tell you what the numbers are. For both March and June, you know, minus 2% growth, minus 4.8% growth. These are some really large uh, players. That is 5% shrinkage, actually, if you think about it. Uh, some of them minus 2.3, minus 0.7, minus 1.8. In one case, there was a minus 4.3 and a minus 8.2. So in those two quarters, they saw a significant drop because of the fear. And this, uh, and the, the world basically seizing up. And uh, going into a into a mode where nothing was happening except keeping the lights on, uh, where they could, right? And I think uh, for those uh, three to six months, there was a significant amount of slowdown globally. But interestingly, what happened was that uh, there was a second revelation that just like you know you could send work to Bangalore, you could send work to people's homes in Bangalore or in Bilai or anywhere else they chose to be because the telecom infrastructure within our own country has now. You know, come to a point where uh, we can have fairly reliable connections, such as the one we have on this call, and so therefore, uh, the ability to send work to employees' homes came in, and that kicked in in a big way. And once again, we saw Indian IT majors uh, really grow uh, after that little bit of degrowth uh, or reduction in size, as they call it, in early twenty. See, uh, one but... of the reasons why I wanted you to uh, dwell a little bit on uh, these three incidents uh, in the last couple of decades was to bring you to the current uh, situation of the industry. A couple of industry leaders, even uh, external analysts say that unlike, say, uh, the dot-com as well as the a macro financial crisis which the world faced in 2008, which were more largely structural uh, and uh, uh, sectoral in a sense, whereas COVID was more of a black swan event. There yeah. is a uh, fundamental shift now happening because of generative AI and the kind of capabilities it brings. Yeah. Do you uh, see this as a kind of a inflection point where the uh, industry again needs to drastically reinvent? Do you see slowdown? 
uh, all of us have seen the kind of uh, growth which has been uh, witnessed over the last couple of quarters. There has been a considerable slowdown of both yes. in terms of the business as well as in terms of the people uh, being employed in the sector. So yes. how do you see um, the challenges which the sector faces now? Sure. So, so Venkatesh, you know, there are actually two questions there. And there are two things that are going on parallelly. So we can speak about both. So first, let me touch on generative AI because you spoke about that. You know, for a long time, this has been a sector that is computer programming has been a like a snake that's eating its own tail. It's getting easier and easier to do. There are open source libraries that are available on the net. I can go and pick up pieces of code which, which will execute certain level of functionality without my having to go and rewrite it all over again. You know, the there are several that are out there. Uh, Microsoft bought some, others have bought some. They've been having these, these, these GitHub, for instance. These are all areas where one as a programmer can go and start composing code as opposed to having to write code. So you cut and paste basically from various parts of various libraries that are available out there. And then you compose and put together something which uh, finally executes the business functionality that you're looking for. This is a factor that's been going on for a while. Parallel to this, there has been automation happening of certain types of roles within the computer programming and the infrastructure management industry. So if you look at infrastructure management, firms like HCL grew significantly on the back of uh, outsourcing of infrastructure management. But that was suddenly taken away by the large cloud companies like uh, Amazon and uh, Microsoft and uh, Google. Because where is the need to manage the infrastructure if uh, it no longer belongs to you and you're renting it? You know, you're renting it from an Amazon, Amazon will take care of it. So there's no need for you to go as a Bell South or as a US West or as a British Telecom or whatever and own your machines anymore. They will be owned by by Amazon. So that that's infrastructure yeah. as a service when it became mainstream, obviously this part of the business for the likes of HCL disappeared. Yes, it disappeared. But you see, this is something that's been going on for a while. And this business of composing code, this has been also going on for a while. And so when we look at generative AI, it's just another sort of addition to this long list of automation of various types of computer coding, as well as various types of computer maintenance. Generative AI can write code much quicker than having to go to several different libraries. That's true. So therefore, as a result, will there be some pressure on uh, IT majors, whether they're Indian or otherwise? Yes, there will be, because um, generative AI will be able to develop at least 60, 70% of the code that's required without you having to have somebody compose it for you. Then the last 30, 40% can be composed by a computer programmer or a set of programmers, which means that your need for people is less as a result. So therefore, it's safe to say that there will be a short-term uh, reduction in you know, what is being done by the IT majors. But as in the past, what I truly feel is that they will find other areas which are adjacent, uh, which still require the, the large numbers of people that we have that are still available to us at low cost which is the second vector that I wanted to talk about. During the COVID boom, a lot of our Indian IT majors were very short-sighted. 
they poached each other's staff at you know 200% of their existing salary that kind of stuff which is not sustainable you know you cannot pay somebody who is making let us just take an example somebody who is making 5 lakhs yesterday you suddenly if you are paying them 10 lakhs today for for doing exactly the same work that's not a sustainable increase that you can have and as a result what's happened to most of these it majors is that their margins have dropped their employee costs have gone up significantly and the performance that you know one was expecting out of them has also slowed down quite tremendously because there is an overall slowdown globally uh, now post covid and so therefore i think what they've done is they've shot themselves in the foot slightly by having overpaid for the middle level resource now the good news is because of the availability of all the youngsters who are still coming in and by the way we talked about knowing each other for 20 years the basic salary for somebody with a bachelor's degree in engineering entering into one of these companies has stayed more or less the same for the last 20 years so let me be specific it was just under in about 2002 or 2003 the average of what they was being what they were being paid was just around 3 lakhs of rupees or slightly less today 20 years later it is still a similar sum it is only 3 lakh 50 so you know the all they will do is they will bring in a lot more youngsters and they will take out all these people whom they paid 200% 250% to you know they will just let them iterate out uh, and the problem is they have not timed it correctly if this slowdown had come you know a little bit more gradually or better yet if they had not gone out and, and spent the money that they did in the in the greed to make short term return they would not have this, such a large problem on their hands right now right now they have to attract a large number of staff it's very difficult for them to go out and talk about layoffs and things like that because the first one to talk about layoffs will cause a domino effect and then the amount of uh, confidence that one has in this industry will go down but we are beginning to see it i mean recently for instance wipro it's been the new indian express reported that wipro has gone back and reduced the salaries that it was going is willing to provide to freshers they had originally made them uh, offers at 66 and a half lakhs now they said listen the same job is available but it is only available at 3 and a half lakhs per annum they are not the only ones there are other companies who are also doing so so if i read what you are saying said correctly one you are saying that there is significant more pain left uh, which yes. needs to be undergone before uh, this goes into the self corrective uh, loop which it has done in the past Correct. second you are saying that generative ai is just another add on it is not like uh, people will find innovative uh, ways of utilizing the cheap talent available to do more things Yes. Uh, you are uh, saying that it's not as if that permanently that the industry is looking at a downward growth trend uh, is my reading correct from what you are stating yeah your reading is there that summary is an excellent summary there is some more pain and is largely self it was it the is largely is like a hangover you know if uh, i don't drink don't drink alcohol but i'm told that if you drink too much alcohol if you wake up the next morning you have bad headache and you have bad you know you don't have the ability to deal with the day which i think is where where most of these it majors are today so the hangover pain will last for some more time is my assessment after which generative ai while it will have an effect uh, will not 
it will not be such a large uh, effect as we are worrying that it will be. They will it will reduce uh, the amount of programming that one is doing, but the types of programming that uh, that people have expected to do will change, which is fine. And uh, I think we should welcome generative AI uh, at least with respect to what it can do for specific tasks like chatbots or for creative some of the creative work you know helping us with some of the creative work for instance writing or or even writing articles or even writing code you know there is it's always better to start with an outline and uh, generative ai can provide that outline you know about 60 70% better than uh, what we had before its advent so i for one think it's this in the in the in the medium term news will be good news for indian it for now, there's a little bit more pain. I would assume pain for 18 to 24 months at least. One of the concerns uh, said here is that Indian IT has been, irrespective of our clients, been uh, a cost arbitrage play also. Though, of course, now we have built on that. Because of generative AI, do you see that? Because if they can do some of the basic stuff so well that you don't need the kind of uh, mass of... Uh, uh, hirings which these companies did in the past. Uh, do you therefore see Indian IT being disproportionately being impacted compared to say their international competitors? What do I mean by this? Say somebody like a TCS or a Infosys or a Wipro getting more affected than say what an Accenture or a Capgemini would be. Uh, is that a correct assumption or do you think no. that because they also have large bases here, they would also be... Yeah, the latter. Added? The latter. Because now, I mean, certainly this was this was a discussion that was that was uh, uh, valid and germane to, uh, to this industry versus, uh, I mean, the Indians in this industry versus the non-Indians. I think that dif differentiation is now more or less gone. I think it's blurred to a point. They certainly... To my knowledge, I think Accenture has more people in, and IBM both have, and uh, some of the other ones as well, have more people in India than they have in the US. So I think these are all global firms today. So whatever is true of, you know, an, an Indian IT major is is also true to some, to, to a very large extent, to an Accenture or an IBM. There is, however, one small piece that the Indians have not been able to do yet with any real capability. One slight exception may be cognizant, but and that is the higher value consulting, the strategy consulting, which is very industry driven and is very specific to certain industries. Uh, I don't think that the Indians have been able to capture that niche just yet. So, you know, when you look at, uh, I mean, the best way to figure that out really is to try and figure out what revenue per employee is, right? So if you look, I'll give you again just two figures. If you go back, say, to about, let's go to around the GFC, right, uh, which is 2008. At that point, the average revenue per uh, employee at Accenture was about $160,000 compared to about $69,000 for Infosys. This is because both Infosys, I mean, Infosys, there are a lot of people, more people in India than, than Accenture. And uh, Accenture had uh, less people here. Um, but Infosys also, what's happened is 
as work has been pushed more offshore, what they were doing is 70-30 splits, 30% of the people off on-site and 70% of the people offshore has now become more like a 90-10 for these sorts of projects. And if you look at the figures today, Accenture has come down. So if you look at revenue per employee on, on an Infosys, for example, it is still now, 14-15 years later, it is still at about $60,000, $65,000. Whereas for Accenture, from one hundred and sixty, it has come down to 93000 so that will give you some idea of what differentiation there is from a blend perspective. Accenture has a lot more people now to generate uh, this, a similar amount of revenue than it had before. So they will be affected just as much, if you ask me. One exception being the strategy work, which which um, will continue to be in their corner. I don't think our Indian majors can easily get it. Mm. Uh, if I were to ask uh, you to peep into your crystal ball and tell me this pain is left for what? Four quarters, six quarters? What are we looking at before things correct itself? Uh, or is it also dependent on how the global economy plays out and specifically uh, the US market? Because we still continue to get about some 65% plus of our revenues from there. Yes. So I think there's a, you know, it depends on whether you believe whether uh, whether a recession is coming or not. Uh, people have been talking about it for a year and a half. Uh, but there are some other factors that are uh, out there that seem as if it'll, there may be a soft landing. But let's just assume that there is not one. Uh, if there is not a soft landing, I think that the pain will continue for a good 24 months before the rebuilding starts again. If there is a soft landing, there is still some internally caused pain. So I would expect at least four quarters of continued pain uh, before anything goes away. So my best guess as an answer is if there is a soft landing of the of mainly the US economy and it does not go into a, into a huge recession, then Indian majors will still suffer for the next four quarters because of how much they bloated themselves in 21 and 22. But if there is not a soft landing, then I think the pain will continue for uh, 24 months. This is my best assessment. The good news is that uh, you are saying that this is again another challenge uh, which the, uh, the uh, IT industry as a whole and specifically Indian IT players have adapted to in the past. And you are saying that this is no different. This will play out and they will adapt to the changing market circumstances. That's the good news. But the bad news is you are saying that uh, the pain is likely to sustain at least for the next four quarters before things start getting better. I think so. And I also think that uh, there is a fundamental change that uh, it's going to be difficult for them to do the 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 respect that they had as employers, um, I think, has gone down. Um, because there was some kind of a, you know, the, they've, they've been shown as being opportunistic. If you, on the one hand, are complaining about your employees moonlighting. But on the other hand, you're willing to hire your competitors, employees for doing exactly the same work at 2x the salary. Then, uh, you know, <laughs> you, you are, uh, you cannot speak out of both sides of your mouth. And, um, and if you, and then if you go back and say, listen, uh, I'm going to reduce the salary that I was giving you because you see, or that I was offering you because the job is still on offer, but the salary is now about half. Uh, because I am facing pain in the marketplace. I mean, these are not things that are good news uh, and these are not good signals. 
so this business of being an employer of choice um i think that will some of that that sheen will go away some of the sheen that the indian industry it industry used to have um is already lost um i think people don't necessarily think that it is the is the smartest first job anymore the good news is the rest of our economy has also done very very well so there are a lot of white collar jobs that are available out there that are non it and i think that we will see some of our youngsters moving towards those do you see consolidation in the sector happening uh, said especially the smaller and uh, mid size guys yes. getting gobbled up yeah i think so i think definitely the you know there are there are mid size players in uh, uh outside of india that would like to to team up with mid size players or acquire mid size players here um among the larger ones i would be very very surprised to see if there's anything that happens but among the mid size players i think definitely i mean there's the likes of epam from outside of india uh there's the likes of persistent here we've also seen by the way the creation of uh, essentially one of the now one of the you know top 6 i would say uh indian it majors simply through acquisition if you look at what lnt did uh, with right. the acquisition of uh, mindtree you know and uh, after a little while uh, they they just uh, it is only a matter of time before they they merged the uh, lnt infotech with mindtree as they have done and they now have a they've just through acquisition created a very very large player i think we will see some of that repeat this uh, is a bit of an unfair question but nonetheless i have to ask you do you um, see any players strategy better than their competitors now as an external observer uh, is somebody executing better strategizing better than their competitors for me i have always had a lot of i can answer that question i mean as, as, both as an i mean both as an insider but now a little bit easier as an outsider actually so it's uh, not so unfair i will tell you the the couple of players that i've always had a lot of respect for one is tcs i it just it amazes me how they are able to execute quarter on quarter year on year and uh, they become a machine and they really have the ability to to execute extraordinarily well it, they i don't know whether it's a specific culture that they have or um i must say i guess the, the only answer i have is it probably is the culture uh, because people don't only work for money as you know venkatesha you know we have a lot of other things that uh, we think are important if i feel valued in an organization um if i feel that i'm working with people with similar interests as me i will tend not to leave it for even if somebody is willing to give me a you know a few thousand rupees more i will tend not to go i think tcs has has manage that mantra really really well uh so i have a lot of respect for them from the outside the other company that i have significant respect for is not indian actually it's accenture uh and accenture is uh, in the last 20 years the way that it has morphed itself no other company has been able to be as as uh, quick off the feet and especially uh, at the scale at which they operate at the scale at the scale that they operate so they are uh, these two i mean accenture always had my my oh, off, offshoring outsourcing is the new thing we are outsourcers oh offshoring is the new thing we have a huge offshore presence oh generative ai is a new thing just watch what's going to come out from them you know cloud is a new thing oh we we we've got this i mean they they are very very nimble at that scale hundreds of thousands of people and they just turn on a dime 
TCS just executes, executes, executes. And uh, like they say, you know, that experience certainty, which is their tagline. I think uh, the mischievous thing to say is they are boring. But uh, they are boring because you know what you are going to get. Boring is good as far as the market like is that. concerned. Yeah, they love like... boring predictability. Yes. <laughs> on, on on that note, uh, thank you so much for your time, uh, Sid. As always, you. a pleasure talking to you. Uh, the good news for uh, the IT sector and especially the Indian players is that, uh, irrespective of uh, whatever new technologies uh, coming in, uh, the sector will continue to survive, uh, not only survive, but thrive. But the bad news is that uh, the challenges will remain at least uh, for the next four odd quarters, if not more. On that yes. note, uh, thank you for your insights and thanks for your comments. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Ventesha.